Good morning. Yesterday we discussed how Yosef accuses his brothers of being spies. He puts them into prison for three days. Finally, after three days, he says, I just changed my mind. I'm going to be more nice to you. Don't worry. I am a God-fearing, trustworthy person. And therefore, if one of you will remain here as a hostage, and the rest of you will go down to your land, to Israel, and you'll bring back your brother, Benjamin, and they agree. Okay, so now they're talking between themselves. Now they don't know that Yosef is listening because the interpreter is not there. Everything will happen through an interpreter. Side note, who is the interpreter? His son, son Menashe. If you think about it, how old was Menashe? Very young. Menashe was only born after Yosef left prison. So the oldest he could have been is seven years old. Okay, so seven-year-old son is the interpreter who spoke Hebrew and spoke uh, Egyptian. So they're speaking to themselves and they say, we are guilty. Why are we having this, this misfortune come upon us? We're being accused of being spies, etc. It's because we saw the anguish of our brother, but we would not listen. And therefore, this is why misfortune has fallen upon us. So Reuven responds and he says, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy and you didn't listen to me? Here comes the moral righteousness. You have certain people that are always right. In their, in their little bubble, it's all about if they were right or wrong. It's not about what's happening now, about what's the fact. I was right. You see, I was right. I told you not to do it. So that's all that matters. What? I told you so. I told you so. That's Reuven. You see, you see always Reuven is a, the, the, the morally righteous one. In his own mind, he's righteous. Um, but it's not, it's not in, the, in, in, in a way of praise. In fact, the Torah does not give Reuven any kind of leadership despite him being right. He is right. But despite being right, he wasn't. He, this is not the way that you uh, influence people or that you deserve leadership by being right but not having an influence. Yeah. Anyway, Yosef is listening to this conversation, and Yosef hears how the brothers are are, are feeling bad for each other. You know, they are feeling guilty for the sin that they had done. When Yosef hears this, he turns aside so that they would not see how he is crying over the fact that they finally have regret and remorse, having sold him as a slave. Then he uh, turns back after he regains his composure and he again speaks harshly to them. He takes Shimon away from them as a prisoner, as a hostage. He imprisons him in front of their eyes, meaning only in front of their eyes. But after they started journeying home, he let him out of prison. He gave him food and he treated him like a brother. Yosef fills up all of their sacks with grain and with all the money. He said all the money should be returned back to their sacks. He didn't want their money, including... The the the, clo- the 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 donkey of Shimon was also loaded up, even though Shimon was staying as a prisoner. He didn't want Shimon's family to suffer and not have grain. So he sent Shimon's donkey back with the grain of Shimon, back with the brothers, and they travel off to uh, back to Israel. As they're traveling, they come to the inn to feed the, the donkeys on the way back home. And the, fir- the other brother, Shimon and Levi, were the ones that had said, let's throw our brother in the pit. They were the ones that had fought against the city of Shechem. They were always together. So he separated them. So now Levi's feeling all alone. And he op- he's the first one who opens up his, his bag. And guess what he sees? The money that he gave is there in the bag. And this created a tremendous panic and a fright in his heart. That they're being framed. That they're being, you know, God has caused them to be in trouble. The money has been returned. And here it's in my pack. And their heart sank to the Torah. Their heart sank. And they were trembling one to the other. And they say, what is this that God is doing to us? It's increasing the level of fear. They come back to the land of Israel. They tell the father Yaakov what happened and how he spoke harshly to them and how he said we're 12 brothers, etc., etc. They repeat the whole story and how Yosef demands that they bring their youngest brother back to the land of Egypt in order that he will know that they are not spies and that they are honest people. Yaakov does not believe the story. 
Not at all. Now, they couldn't tell them the real reason for the story. They knew the real reason for the story is as a punishment for having sold Yosef. But they can't say that, right? They can't say that to Yosef. So what happens? So they have to make up this whole natural story. Yeah, he was curious why we came to a different gate. So we started to explain to him, could we have known? They told him that he would start saying, bring us your brother. So they're trying to, like, they themselves know that what they're saying is not the real story. So Yaakov picks up in a second. This is not the real story. I don't trust you. I don't believe you. You are not taking Binyamin anywhere. Ready? Yosef went with you on the trip. He disappeared. Shimon went with you on the trip. He disappeared. I'm not sending Binyamin. Things happen on trips. No way. So Ruvain says to his father, I'll tell you what. I'll give you as a guarantee my own two sons. If I don't bring Yosef back, then you can kill my two sons in exchange for me not bringing Binyamin back. Sorry, not Yosef, Binyamin. So Yaakov thinks to himself, what an idiot the son is. So Rashi says, are these sons, he says in the Torah, are these sons, not also my sons, how does that help me to kill your son because you didn't bring back my son? How does that, how does that help me? So he says, absolutely not. I'm afraid that something will happen on the way and I will go down to the grave in mourning and grief. So Yehuda says to his brothers, leave it alone. Let's eat the grain, give him a week or two. Anyway, the famine intensifies in the region. It gets even worse. They have no more food to eat. And eventually they come to, uh, they run out of the food that they brought back. So Yaakov says to his sons, we need more food. Go back to Egypt. So Yehuda says to his father, but father, <laughs> we already told you. That the man Yosef said, we can't come down to Egypt unless we bring our brother Benjamin together with us. And we don't have Benjamin. So we need, we need him. Uh, so Yaakov says, why did you do this to me? And tell the man that you have another brother and you're causing me the, the pain and the anguish will destroy me. So he starts, Yehuda starts to explain to him how this man had this gold, silver cup and how he knew all about our childhood and he knew about our cribs. He knew about our, who was from which mother and father, etc., etc., and he asks all these questions. He wanted to know if our father was alive and if our mother was alive and if this was alive. And so we, how could we have known? So finally, Yehuda says to his father, Yisrael, and he says, here's what we're going to do. Let me take the boy, Benjamin, down to Egypt. And we will live and not die. Including here, you will also get new life by Benjamin going down to Egypt. Let us go mm -hmm. down. And I personally take responsibility for the life of Benjamin. I will take my own guarantee, my own life as a guarantee, and you can demand him back from me. If I don't bring him, I will have sinned before you all of my days of my life, including in the world to come. That I will lose my portion. Not only this will be part of your family, but even in Olam Haba, that I will not be considered your your uh, your child. Okay, you see a big difference here between how Reuven tried to convince his father and how Yehuda tried to convince his father. What was the difference? Think for a second. What's the difference between Reuven's promise, his guarantee, and Yehuda's guarantee? Exactly. Reuven is guaranteeing someone else. <laughs> Reuven is guaranteeing, if I don't bring him back, he can kill my children. Yehuda's saying, I take responsibility. If I don't bring him back, it's on me, not on somebody else. Big difference between Reuven and Yehuda. Big difference. Anyway. Um, and then Yehuda says to his father, I understand that you're worried, but Yosef also, Yaakov thinks that there's uh, uh, like a specific curse on this family. R Rachel died on the road, on the journey. Yosef died on the journey. So he's worried that Benyam will also die on the journey. So Yaakov, Yehuda said, I'll take responsibility for him. This is what we have to do. So Yaakov understands he has no choice. So he says, if we're going to go through the means of nature, because this is all officially a natural, a natural story, so this is what you should do. Take with yourself 
uh, containers of the choicest products of Israel. Take him some gifts, some balsam, some honey, some wax, some lotus, some pistachios and almonds, and take double the amount of money that you already took with you and bring him to bring it to the land of Egypt. Interesting, they're bringing food with them. Officially, there's a famine. <laughs> and they're bringing pistachios and almonds and honey and balsam, right? <laughs> That's very fancy. So do they have food or they didn't have food? So according to Rashi, they didn't have grain, but they had these, like, I guess almonds could stay fresh for a long time, and, you know, pistachios can stay, but they didn't have grain. There was no grain, but they had, they had honey. Okay, let's leave it at that for right now. So they take the honey and whatever, and they take the uh, money that they have returned, plus double money, you know, extra money uh, for the second time of grain, and they go back to the uh, land of Egypt. And before he goes, he says, now I'm giving you a natural plan, and I... I will pray for you, and I will, God willing, uh, see what I can do to uh, do my part by praying for you and pray that God should give you rachamim, should give you compassion before the man. And what will be, will be, they take the money and everything, and they go down with Binyamin down to the land of Egypt before Yosef. They come down to Egypt, and they come to Egypt, and they're brought into the house of Joseph. Like everyone that came to get grain, they come before Yosef. So Yosef sees all the brothers, including with Binyamin over there. So Yosef says to the person in charge of his house, in front of the brothers, the brothers are there, including Binyamin. So he says, I want to have a special meal together with these 11 brothers in my house. Now they're in the office. They're in the, wherever the grain was being given out. I want a meal in my own home at the end of the day. Go and slaughter meat. So here are the brothers over here. He's telling the person in charge of his house to slaughter the food, to slaughter the cow, whatever, to eat it. And prepare food that the men will eat with me. So here he's preparing that should be kosher. Even though Yosef had accused him of not eating kosher. Yosef had accused him of eating the limbs of a living animal because there was a baby cow born inside, as a fetus inside the womb of a mother that they slaughtered. Regardless, he prepares the food. And now the men, the 11 brothers, see they're being brought to the house of Yosef. They become very, very afraid. No other visitors were taken to the private house of Yosef. So they refused to enter the house. They're standing outside the house and we're not going in. And they come to the man and says, come inside. So we're not going in. We want you to know that we didn't take the money. It was somehow, I don't know how it came into our packages. We brought back the money with double. We wanted to pay you back double the money and to, you should know that we're not guilty of stealing anything. So the man says to them, what are you talking about? We already have the money that you gave. It came to us. It's God took care of it. There's no reason to be afraid. Everything is well with you. The money that you found is your money from Hashem. We got paid we don't, you know, in our database, everything is up, paid up in full. It's, uh, it's yours. And then they still don't want to go to the house. So he brings Shimon out to them. And Shimon says, nice, nice guy, Yosef. He fed me. He took care of me. I, he, he let me out of prison. He was nice to us. He didn't, you know, he was nice to me. So finally now they see Shimon is alive and well and he was taken care of. He had him in tortured in, you know, the last three days and or however long they were gone for. And the man says, don't be afraid. God is with you. I have your money. So they finally agreed to enter the house. They come to the house, they wash their feet, and they prepare the gift for Yosef. They make it, you know, when you're waiting and waiting and waiting, like they put it this way and that way, like they set the table, very, very nice, and uh, they have elegant dishes for it. And finally, Yosef comes home, and they present him with the gift that they had brought him, and they bow down, they prostrate themselves on the ground before him, all 11 brothers bowing down before Yosef for food. This is the fi- finally the fulfillment of the first dream. Yosef asks them, how is your old father you told me about? Is he still alive? 
So they say, yes, peace to our master, our father, to our servant, he's still alive. And they bow down yet again and thanks to the fact that, uh, the, uh, an appreciation for the fact that Yosef is asking about their family and all that. Then Yosef lifts his eyes, he sees Binyamin, he says, his whole brother, the only brother, that's his complete brother from both father and mother. And he says to him, God should give graciousness and kindness upon you. Tell me, who are you? Tell me about your family, what are your kids? So Yosef starts to tell, sorry, Binyamin starts to tell Yosef about his family. How many kids did Binyamin have? Ten kids, ten kids. And each and every one of his children was named after something that was connected to the life of Yosef to show how much Binyamin missed his older brother Yosef that had to take him from him when he was a very young boy. He says to him, my first son is called Bella. Bella because my brother was Nivla, was swallowed amongst the Gentiles. My second son is Becher. Becher means he was the Bukhar, the first son. Ashbel is how he was sent to Shava, Kael, how God took him into captivity. My next son is called Gera, how my brother's a Ger, a, a stranger amongst the Gentiles. My... Naaman refers to how he was Naim, he was pleasant. I call my son Achi because he was my brother. Rosh is another son who, because my brother Yosef was my superior, he was my head. Mupim means he learned from the, the mouth of my father, Mipi. Chupim means he was not at my chuppah, and I was not at his chuppah. And Arad is how he was Yarad, he descended to the Gentiles. The point is that Binyamin named each one of his children after the, something of his brother's life. And when Yosef saw the love that Binyamin had for him, he could no longer contain himself, and he runs out of the room to break down into tears. So it says he went to the other room, he cried over there, and then when he came back, he washed his face, he like regained his composure, and they have the meal. And they are all sitting separately, because as already discussed, Egyptians would not eat food Together with the Jews, it was an abomination for them. And so Yosef uses his silver cup and he starts to pretend like he can tell the future. He says, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisach, Azul, and you were born in that order from one mother, you sit there. And then Danaf told you from another mother, you sit there. And God and Ashri from another mother, you sit there. And then he says, Binyamin, your mother died when you were very young. My mother died when I was very young. You come sit on the table next to me. Um, he served them all portions. The Torah says that Binyamin got a portion five times as much as the others. And basically that's because Yosef gave part of his food to Binyamin. He said the other brothers came on their own will. I forced Binyamin to come, so let me give him more. And then Yosef's wife Asnas gave extra food to uh, Binyamin and the two sons of Ephraim and Menashe gave extra food. So he had five times more food than everybody else. And then the Torah tells us that they all ate and they drank Vayishkiru even they became drunk together with him. This is the first time in 22 years that the brothers have drunk wine. They have not had wine since Yosef had been sold. Yosef had not had wine. And that night they all eat and they drink and they get drunk together. And seemingly everything is good. Tomorrow we'll discuss how Yosef puts his silver goblet into the sack of Binyamin and the final conclusion of the scheme that Yosef creates.